Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded Friday, February the 18th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about a ruling in the gerrymander case and the Arkansas General Assembly's fiscal session. Maybe some other odds and ends. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hello. So, uh, big news of the week came uh, yesterday around close of business, and that was uh, Judge Lee Rudowski's Rudowski's, uh, ruling in the Arkansas gerrymander case, which was a real screwy one from my perspective. Oh, it's beyond screwy. It's uh, as I just got through writing a post this morning on the blog. This guy's a Federalist Society Republican Trump judge who who is held up as a paragon of being an opponent of judicial activism. And he took judicial activism to the nth power in this ruling yesterday. He over he overturned decades of precedent and said that there is no private right of action to to challenge a violation of the Voting Rights Act and discriminating against black people. He said that this suit by the ACLU and the Arkansas Public Policy Panel, he'd have to dismiss it unless Merrick Garland decided that the Justice Department wanted to be the plaintiff in the case. This has been not precedent of the U.S. Supreme Court. Nobody in the case asked for this. He dreamed this theory up on his own or else he got it from a Federalist Society think tank. He acknowledged briefly in the ruling that, yes, uh, there seemed to be evidence that the Republicans who control redistricting, who included his former boss, uh, Leslie Rutledge, had made decisions that diminished the voting power of black citizens of Arkansas. But too bad the wrong people sued. Um, he, he kind of acknowledged that he might not be the last word on this case, but the legal authorities are weighing in on this around the country this morning. They say if this is upheld, it's the end of the Voting Rights Act entirely that it's a reversal of precedent. No Republican president will ever pursue a voting rights case with their Justice Department because they have no interest in protecting the rights of black people. And, you know, Leslie Rutledge, who did just an abysmal job of defending this redistricting, I mean, she was dishonest, she was incompetent, she made erroneous statements in court, and she did nothing to disprove this overwhelming statistical evidence of discrimination against black voters call it a frivolous lawsuit. I mean, that's almost a libel of the plaintiffs. I mean, what, whatever else the lawsuit was, it was not frivolous. So perhaps Rudowski will win on this standing argument, but these were not frivolous complaints. Even he was compelled to acknowledge that there's evidence of discrimination in, in the case that was brought to him. Anyway, sad day, but but that's, uh, that's the product of Republican judges, and they are delivering by the boatload. So uh, obviously bad news, uh, not not the final say. What what for people who care about voting rights is is the best possible outcome, even if it's unlikely? I mean, we have no idea if if the justice yeah, department you know, will intervene. No, I have. We have no idea if they'll get in. And he only gave them five days, and as I pointed out this morning, that includes two weekend days and a federal holiday to make this decision. I mean. It's, uh, I think, well, I, there is no answer. If he doesn't get in the case, it's over. Uh, if, but, he but, does, if, if he does get in the case, uh, then they go to trial. Or, and, and I think they'd have to retry a bunch of this stuff. I think the, the likelihood of the primary not going forward under these current districts is nil. I mean, they're going to elect some people this year by the new districts. And that will mean 
there will be even fewer Democrats and even fewer black members of the Arkansas General Assembly, which, of course, was the plan in the first place. Uh, but it will if if the Justice Department does not get in, then it will be appealed uh, that the primary will still go along and the, the Eighth Circuit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that the Eighth Circuit would enjoin the election based on what's in the record. I mean, for one thing, they don't have that case before. Them. I mean, you know, he, he didn't rule. He specifically avoided any ruling on the merits. I think the best they could do is send him back to him to have the trial on the merits and or to rule on the merits. Oh, so I, yeah, I guess that, that that was not thinking. So there, because he didn't rule, it can't be appealed. Well, they can, they can appeal the standing issue. Ah. I, I, I mean, they could do that, but, you know, that doesn't that doesn't get you very far. Well, uh Yes, not, uh, you know, but I mean, the the blinding hypocrisy of it is the thing. I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I actually had written what I thought was going to happen and it, and it essentially happened, which was he was going to have to acknowledge that they discriminated against black people, but he was going to find a reason not to rule in their favor. And that's what happened. Okay, well, uh, let's let's leave that there and and move on and uh, and talk about the uh, legislature, which is meeting in its fiscal session. Um, the kind of big fireworks initially were attempts to get uh, Texas-style abortion laws um, considered, and and that seems dead in the water at this point. It it looks like it. Uh- it was interesting, really, because those Texas-style bills in a normal circumstance would have passed through the House and Senate of Arkansas like corn through a goose. I mean, it's, you know, there, there's no anti-abortion law too strong or mean to be defeated in the Arkansas legislature. But for whatever reason, the leadership in both the House and the Senate coalesced around the theory that this is a budget session. Let's stick to the budget. Let's not have an extraneous uh, ruling. And also, there was a division in the in the anti-abortion community, a feeling that this Texas law, which even though it's in effect because of a terrible Supreme Court decision, it's not yet precedent. It's not yet been confirmed, and it's it's a bad, terrible law with potential bad outcomes for people outside of the abortion venue. But Arkansas already has on the books the most punitive abortion law possible, a total ban for any reason from the moment of conception. And there is hope that a Mississippi case is going to be decided in the next few months might open the door to breathe life into all of Arkansas's other anti-abortion statutes. So let's not mess things up by adopting this weird Texas vigilante law that allows civil enforcement of an anti-abortion rule with with no blowback against somebody who makes a false complaint against somebody. And and I also think a a very strong element, particularly in the Senate, for the reason these things failed, is they're sick of Jason Raper. They're sick of his moralizing. They're sick of his strutting around. They're sick of him going around the state saying anybody who poses any bill he produces is not anti-abortion enough since all of them have strong records on it 
So I, I don't think you can underestimate some of the animus that existed and against people like Trent Garner. And so, uh, also, Raybert is transparently campaigning using these issues as right. part of his He's campaign for lieutenant governor. To run for lieutenant governor, and I, I think there's some resentment about that. There was really sort of an interesting moment in the Senate yesterday that I didn't write about. I, I probably should have, and that's James Sturch, who who's a Republican senator from up around Batesville, I guess, and school teacher. And I mean, I, I mean, he's you know, he's a perfect conservative. He's certainly not pro-choice, but. And I think he was really talking about what was going on on abortion, but he just almost a tearful speech about the end of civility and collegiality and about personal attacks on members in the Senate. And, and yeah, that's kind of the deal. That's kind of, but that's Trumpism at work. I mean, it's, it's, it's a take no prisoners, prisoners kind of deal. There's no, you're either with me or you're against me. And I mean, it is Washington style politics. And I, I'm afraid, particularly with this court ruling, it'll just make it marginally even worse than it already is. Uh, we talked about uh, mobile sports betting before the Racing Commission several weeks ago. The the legislature, it, it now seems like there's some movement. Yeah, it looks it looks like it's going to happen. The, the the review subcommittee, which is the important venue, uh, approved the rule. There was strong opposition on the committee that had been inspired by the national bookmaking outfits that want to work a better deal than the rule that's been approved by the racing commission would allow for them. And it goes to the full uh, joint budget committee next week, but I don't think it's expected to run into trouble there. I think it's likely that mobile sports betting is going to be a reality in Arkansas within, oh, I'd say three weeks and and at the most, uh, perhaps in time for mid-March and the beginning of the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh, One interesting question is, is how popular it's going to be? Hard to say. I mean, casinos think a lot of people want to do it, and undoubtedly there'll be a lot of them, but it just, it doesn't happen to be high on my radar, so I, I don't have a real good way to evaluate it. Uh, one uh, sort of strange sidelight in the session has been the refusal of, of the House to pass an appropriation for uh, Arkansas PBS. Yeah, it's, it's failed twice. Well, they didn't actually have a vote the second time, but they didn't call it up because they knew it would fail again. Well, this is, you know, I guess for my entire time in Arkansas, there's always been simmering complaints about AEPN, now Arkansas PBS. Because, you know, I mean, there, there's sort of a suspicion about anything that has any, even a, a hint of intellectualism about it. That's the best way I know that it's that public television is kind of a view as an elitist sort of thing. And that's it's gotten worse in recent times, particularly with the Republican majority in the legislature, that they're they're viewed as liberal somehow. That Sesame's, you know, there was what was the Teletubbies that had the, you know, cartoon character that had the purple purse or something. You know, it, it, there's always something that they take offense at. And most recently, they wanted to do an educational television program contract with a guy who, in his private life, had made some comments favorable to Joe Biden. And that, I mean, you know, talk about cancel culture. Republicans don't believe in giving any money to anybody who shows any kind of Democratic inclinations. And so 
I think that's at least a part of it, but I guess uh, Peyton, John Peyton, the one who, who uh, led the charge to defeat the bill the first time, talked about indoctrination by Arkansas PBS. I guess they're teaching all the kids in Arkansas to be gay or something. I, I don't know. It's uh, I, I don't, I don't put, you know, PBS is, I mean, they've hired a former director of Arkansas Republican Party as their flack, Marty Ryle. Uh, they've catered to every whim of, of the governor. They put him on the air anytime he wants to be on there. They broadcast all his news conferences. Uh, I think the, the, the programming is full of stuff that, that I don't think is necessarily a good decision. But, you know, you look at things like Masterpiece Theater and Lawrence Welk and televising high school football games and quiz bowl. Quiz bowl, yeah. It's just hard. Yeah, it's just it's just hard to see them as some kind of liberal propaganda outlet. I mean, they're just they're just not from from where I sit. But but um, I'm not a Republican legislator. And I mean, I think they'll eventually pass this budget. I don't know if there's some sort of deals that they're going to have to give them a scalp of some sort. That's one interesting question. Are they going to have to promise not to hire this programmer that was up for a contract or they're going to have to cancel some show or another? I, you know, I, I'd love for them to come right out and say we ought to cancel Sesame Street because that might finally energize the silent majority, maybe, you, you know, but I don't know. Uh, the, the governor gave his uh, state of the state speech to open the session uh, earlier in the week and uh, some some protesters uh, pushing back against planned prison expansion called out and were ejected from the Capitol and and handled very roughly by Capitol Police. Yeah, they arrested two of them for disorderly conduct out for for having a scrap with with cops outside the building not they weren't arrested for the shouting in the gallery uh you know i'm glad they did it i think the police overreacted by charging them uh certainly the senate later overreacted by trying to adopt some crazy rules on who could use cell phones in their gallery but here's the terrible thing is the governor has been allowed by what remains of the media of Arkansas, excepting me, to get away with saying it's just a given that we have to expand prisons because county jails are full of state prisoners and the state prisons are full and so we've got to have more beds and our population is growing ergo, we've got to have more prison beds. Well, there's not been, and I haven't done the full statistical evidence, but I mean, I happen to know that the Washington County Jail, for example, which has a lot of state prisoners and wants to expand and is complaining, has a lot of people in there who essentially been picked up for being homeless and drunk and who can't afford bail and who are in there for months at end. And does it make sense to have county jails full of those kind of people? I don't think it does. I mean, I, I think we need to take a look at bail reform. We need to take a look at alternatives, incarceration. We need to take a look at how many people we're holding for, for drug offenses that are that are not violent crimes or related to any kind of violent or property crimes. But the governor, I mean, he comes from a prosecutorial background and he just doesn't want to do it and he won't acknowledge it. And there's not much voice in the legislature for it. So to the extent there's some group out there that is at least 
making some voices heard good for them. Although, I mean, just they had a quorum court meeting in Washington County last night. And that and that county governing board is is controlled by Republicans, and they passed a resolution praising the doctor who overprescribed the quack drug to prison inmates without their knowledge for COVID nineteen, who's been sued repeatedly for mistreatment of of inmates in medical cases. Uh, they voted down a resolution that would allow informed consent on medical treatment. I mean, this is the Tuskegee Airmen Experiment, Tuskegee Institute experimentation all over again. That's okay in Washington County. And of course, and they want to take Rescue Act funds, which are supposed to help people who've been affected by the pandemic and make the jail bigger. Uh, this is, and this is in a county that some people view as, as somewhat of a liberal county, uh, which on the whole, it is not, even at the center of Fayetteville is. So there, there's just not a lot of hunger for uh, justice reform in Arkansas. Okay, well, real, real quick, uh, let's let's mention the uh, the the ruling on the uh, I-30 bridge uh, money. Well, uh, another judge, uh, they earlier ruled that the state couldn't spend $350 million from uh, <clears throat> an earlier constitutional amendment sales tax on the project, and they said the same reasoning applied to the new constitutional amendment, that money can only be spent for uh, new four-lane highways. And that's another $350 million. The state's going to have to find $700 million to replace that money from somewhere. They apparently are washing so much money, they'll do it. Uh, they're, I mean, they will appeal this latest decision, uh, and they're still appealing, having to pay any attorney's fees in the, the case they lost the first go-around. But I think between the, the federal infrastructure money and the new permanent sales tax and, and, and a sales tax increase the legislature gave them, gave them, they probably can get the money to go ahead and do this project. They ought to rethink the, the I-30 project at Little Rock and scale it down, but uh, that isn't the way of the freeway builders at the highway department. All right, well, let's, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. So you got anything this week? Well, I've been getting a uh, just a double dose of uh, the actress Julia Garner. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> I've been watching her in the what the sixth or seventh season of Ozark, in which she plays the leading role. And now I've started watching this series. I guess it's on Netflix, isn't it? Uh, Inventing Anna. Mm-hmm. This is a. It's not. It, it's a sort of a, a biopic, but it's apparently takes some liberties with the facts about a a woman who perpetuated this, I guess Anna Sorokin was her name, and then she became known as Anna Delby, and just defrauded people, flying private jets, buying fancy clothes, stealing money, using false credit cards, and there was a big story written about her in New York Magazine, uh, I guess by Rachel Williams, and and this is kind of the story of her being pursued for this story and then eventually going to prison. And I guess the reporter who wrote the story originally thinks that too much of a hero has been made of it. The one thing I, it's, I mean, the, the setting is great and just the, the high lifestyle in New York city is kind of fun to watch. The one thing I will say about Julia Garner, I mean, she's a great actress, but, and apparently this is true to form with the story about Anna Sorokin is she has this accent that she's adopted that's kind of Russian, but kind of not. It's kind of like an accent 
it's kind of like an invented accent and it's really grating, but that's, that's one of the things in the stories I've read about it that said that was a deal about it. everybody remarked on her, this weird accent. They couldn't really ascribe it to any particular country because it's just something she sort of made up, but it's a, uh, it's kind of bothersome, but, but anyway, it's, I'm finding both of them fascinating. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm, I'm haven't, I'm behind on Ozark and, and haven't watched some bidding in, but it's on my radar. Uh, I uh, recently read and enjoyed uh, Nisha Dolan's Exciting Times. It's a novel that came out in 2020. Uh, Dolan is a, a young Irish writer who has gotten a lot of comparisons to Sally Rooney, uh, I think because she's also a young Irish writer and uh, writes about relationships and class. And and that's, uh, that's what this book is all about, though it, uh, rather than set in Ireland, is set in Hong Kong, where the, the protagonist is uh, teaching English as a second language and falls in with uh, uh, an English guy who's uh, a well-to-do investment banker, and they kind of have a, a relationship of some sorts, and then she falls in with uh, uh, a... Hong Kong woman who is a lawyer. And so there's kind of this relationship triangle, uh, but really sharp writing. Um, and it was a fun, quick read. Recommend it. Sounds good. Thanks for listening and all. Have uh, a safe weekend and we'll be back with you next week. See y'all later.